this fluff off this microphone is in my mouth. Okay, this is the cursed episode. So not only have we had a video, the sound disappears. We've had to cancel it two times. Um, yes. Then the first recording has gone completely wrong. And now I'm laying in bed um, with like a half set up um, rig. So hopefully it's all going to work. Join David and Ross as they become discombobulated in Dorset. From pixies to poltergeists, witches to woodrows, hear them explore the legends, folklore, and outright weirdness of their own county. This is Dark Dorset. The podcast of weird Dorset. Hello, I'm Rawson. Oh, there we go. The curse <laughs> continues. Uh, sorry. sorry. Oh, and the coffin. Coffin. Yeah, the coffin, coffin. Hello, I'm Rawson Dorchester on the south coast of England. And I'm David in Wareham, just up the road. And on this episode, we look at the Phantom Centurion of Holcomb Woods. Not a hard one to say for someone who can't do that. Make a difference between their th and the th, th's and their f's when they're talking. Um, but yes, the Phantom Centurion of Falcon Woods, and there's a ph as well. How do you what's the how do you say a ph and a th? What's the difference? Uh, a Phantom? ph is th like yeah. an f, right. and a th is th. th. Okay, right. but Phantom is spelt with a ph usually. Yeah, but the beer I've got today is called oh. Phantom, and that's spelt with an f. Okay, so where's that yeah. beer come from, David? Why uh, that it came from a beer subscription service that I subscribe to uh, purely because I can't cancel it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pale ale, it's 5.3%, and it's cloudy looking, and it's chewy, and it's not really my kind of beer. What's chewy? What's a chewy well, it's beer? it's kind of, just kind of thick and um, meaty Ooh. and dense. Do you know? So would it's you not, describe me as it's chewy? It's not light and crisp and refreshing. <laughs> I would describe some parts of you as chewy. Chewy, okay. Yeah, uh, as uh, other parts, Chewbacca, chewy. <laughs> um, well, my um, lovely sister um, bought me a whole um, selection pack of Jurassic Coast Brewery, Jurassic Brewery lovely. beers. Yeah. And that I thought, like, this is going to last me like, loads of episodes of the um, podcast, but I've drunk nearly all of them now. Um, so... One of the remaining one is Dorset Knob, which I'm drinking at the moment, which is 3.9%. Um, and I don't know any of the descriptive words apart from it's nice. This it is. is. Li- we've, I think we've drunk that at uh, the Dorset show before oh, in yes? the beer tent. Be careful not to spill it in your bed there, Ross, as I you would. recline. Yeah, so we should point out that um, I am now uh, podcasting from my bed because today the internet up in the, um, the loft sort of office space, which I um, work from and podcast from. For some reason, this is completely not working with the internet today. I've got no idea what's going on with that. Um, yeah, so uh, this is a best bitter. This is light and amber in colour. Smells hoppy and floral and tastes malty and zesty. So, but, but best of all, it's called Knob. Mm-hmm. There we are. That's me tasting Knob. That, that sounds, sounds good. 
Yeah. Excellent. So I, this podcast is a bit weird because we went to the location ages ago, ages and ages ago. That was cursed as well because the, the day we was meant to be um, originally going to see uh, the uh, the location, it was said it was going to be raining all weekend. So we we didn't go, and I woke up and it was glorious sunshine, but it was too late for me to rearrange. So then we went again several weeks later. And um, it said it was going to be nice weather, and then it rained when we when we went there. And it rained. Yeah. So this episode is very, very late, and um, the, the video is beating up now for probably nearly a month. But um, bear with us. Yeah. So where, whereabouts did we go, Ross? Because that's near you, isn't it? Yeah, Falcon Woods, which is a TH, um, which is a, uh, a nature piece of um, woodland, which is famous because it's uh, got a cot... Hardy's Cottage, which Thomas Hardy is um, our famous um, author. Was he born there? And he was born born in this uh, cottage. So it's the woods next to where he, um, the cottage where he was born. I was going to say, I'm afraid to say, I've never read a Thomas Hardy book. Um, and I really, sh- really should. Um, yeah, you really that. should. Then he can tell me all about it. <laughs> I, I was very impressed by the woods because where I am in my part of Dorset, the woods are very coniferous. Mm-hmm. Um, very kind of sandy soil and lots of uh, pine needly evergreen trees and Thorkin Woods was amazing because it had some proper ancient oak yeah. in it didn't it some, some really marvellous trees in really peculiar shapes yeah. trees that had fallen over maybe a hundred years ago and then started growing at a right angle and yeah. shoots coming out at all angles it's, yeah. it's fantastic um, really it's, superb. It's, it's the woods which my, um, my wife uh, who um, grew up in Weymouth. Um, so I would say Thorncombe's probably halfway between Weymouth and Dorchester. That was the woods which they always used to go to as as children. And it's got, they got a tradition of playing um, what they call pom-pom and what we used to call block when I was younger. What did you call that game? I have no idea what you're talking about. So the no, game I don't where, know either of those names. So people um, go up. So one person's it and they're like on a, on a, a post or a tree or something. Yeah. Everyone else has to go and hide. And then everyone has to yeah. get to block. When I was a kid, you'd have to get there and say block one, two, three in. Um, so without the other person. Um, so if you see the person hiding, you've got to go and run and press the uh, yeah. touch the thing um, and say um, block David one, two, three, or you block yourself in. And the last yeah. person can save all. Did you have that game when you was a kid? I do remember the game. And I remember the one, two, three bit, but I'm, I've no idea of the word that we used to proceed it with. Yeah. I can't remember that. It'll it's one of those regional things. Was, I remember one of the things when I went to um, university, it was like, uh, did you have a game called Bundle when you was a kid? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so yeah. Where he someone, just jumped on top of everyone. Yeah. Someone, someone would shout bundle. bundle and then you'd all jump on top of each other and you'd hope that <laughs> you're not on the bottom. Whereas um, the people in Wales called it Pylon. Mm. So, um, and I also found out that um, they, they called Paul Mags Cock Mags, which I thought was a, <laughs> an interesting um, colloquialism. Um, nice. Yeah. Um, so, why were we talking about cock mags? We didn't find any cock mags in the um, in Falcon no, Woods, did we? We didn't. No. Yeah. And you're, you've picked up that knob again. No, <laughs> um, so Falcon Woods, um, frustratingly, it is National Trust, but you can't use your National Trust car, car park no, pass, which no. is, is always um, catches me out. And the interesting thing about Falcon Woods, if it wasn't for the main road, dual carriageway going into Dorchester, mm-hmm. 
it would join up with Yellowham Woods. Yes, which is episode kind of one. One big woods, which is um, episode one, where we looked for the woodways. Mm. Um, and if you, maybe we'll talk about it later, but if you watch the video, there's a very interesting moment when um, we, we, got, have re- re- we have a realisation. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So the, um, let's talk about what we went to see in Thorncombe Woods. Um, and what we went to see was uh, we, we'd read about a story um, concerning a phantom Roman centurion. So I read about it in this brilliant book called Mysterious Dorset by Rodney Legg. Um, this has been donated to the podcast by our friend Gareth. Um, so hi, Gareth, if you're listening Thank to this. Thank you, Gareth. Um, which has got a huge amount of um, story. Uh, there's enough um, There's enough material on here to keep us going until um, we die, um, especially <laughs> at the rate we're putting these out. Um, um, we, we will never get to the end of this. But there's, there's and a- Remember what's happening when one of us dies. We have two weeks to make our ghostly presence known to the other. Yes. It's got, got to be done in two weeks so we can expect it and wait for it. Yeah. And after two weeks, we'll just be like looking for it and everything. So yeah, okay, yeah we've so made that pact. There, there will be one posthumous episode of um, <laughs> Dark Glass that we will yeah. report back whether this happened or not. Uh, I'd better learn how to use the tech then in case it's meant. <laughs> I can remember um, <laughs> Paul Daniels doing a whole thing about Houdini saying he would come back from the dead and uh, leave a message to his um, to Houdini's wife so, and she would hold a seance every Halloween. Um, yeah. He was meant to, meant to um, give a message back and Paul did like a Thing. But speaking of Paul Daniels, did you did I tweet it to you that I reckon um, Debbie McGee, um, yes, who is the, the uh, beautiful Debbie, the McGee. beautiful Debbie McGee, um, it needs a bit of money for something because loads <laughs> of Paul Daniels stuff has suddenly gone up for auction on this website, including uh-huh. his toupee. You could uh-huh. um, you can pay for his toupee. You can pay for his toupee. Loads of his old tricks. Um, loads and loads of uh, like posters and his, his collection of uh, old. Magician's posters and yeah. um, all his magic books and stuff. I was thinking, he's moving yeah. house and trying to clear out that loft. Um, <laughs> Dan Yeah, I, I was quite tempted to get one of his um, uh, of his posters, but um, I never know what to do with online auctions yeah. and how, how it works. And, I imagine yeah. getting it through the post and thinking, "Yeah, I like it, but not a lot." <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we should end the podcast there, David. It's not going to get any better. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay, so Woods, the um, Phantom Centurion. The Phantom oh, Centurion. So the story is, um, I think it was in the fifties. You can fact check in the book while I I'm talk gonna, about this. I'm going to find the, yeah, the story. Tell me I'm wrong about everything. So I think it's in the fifties. A group of boys from a borstal were camping uh, in Thorncombe Woods with um, some adults looking after them. So what's a what's a borstal, David? For um, our Australian think, uh, overseas listeners. I think it is a children's home for badly behaved youngsters. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, that mm. was my. That was always I was always threatened with um yes. as a child. Um, not by the police, by my own parents. Yeah, when we were told to eat our dinners because there were starving people in Africa. Yeah, my my parents would pretend that they were picking up the phone and ringing them to come <laughs> and get me. <laughs> on speed dial. You, you did get speed dialed on a rotary phone. Anyway, so you're flicking through there. I'm going to carry on. I think it was in the 50s. There's a group of kids with their adult leaders, supervisors, camping in the woods. And they've been there a couple of nights. And then one night after dark, one of, one of the young boys gets very um, agitated, excited, and goes into the adult's tent saying, 
there's a ghost outside, there's a ghost outside, and the adults ignored this kid. Um, but he remained um, in this excited state, scared state, and went back to the adults to say, come quick, come quick, you must see this. So eventually they came out of the tent and the adults saw it as well. And what they saw was a ghost of a figure wearing a Roman centurion uniform. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it was uh, it was a few yards away behind a few trees looking at them. And it was floating about two foot off the ground. Yes. October 1969, this happened. So pretty good. Thanks. Yeah. So it says here, no less than 14 people made the, the, the sighting of the Roman soldier. Um, yeah, so these these boys were from Guy Marsh, Borstal, in Shaftesbury, and they were on a working camp. Um, yeah, and as you said, the boy rushed into the, to the caravan, so there was a, a, a ghost on the trees. But yeah, so they said that the, the Roman soldier was complete with shield, sword, toga, and helmet, and was standing in the air about two feet off the ground. Um, yeah, and... They, they went away, got a torch, and when the, they came back with it, and then he uh, quickly disappeared. So, um, interesting. Uh, so, I, I, we, we've heard about um, ghosts walking through walls before, because um, uh, <coughs> the reason behind this is that um, at some point that wall wasn't there, so maybe a, a building has yeah. um, been put in its place, or a door has been bricked up. So, uh, the explanation for the, the floating centurion was that the fact that the level of the uh, ground from Roman times has actually dropped down since then. Um, and the area where the um, uh, the centurion was seen was on the site of a Roman road, which we, we went to go find. Um, and there's, you can't see the Roman road anymore, so it does look like it has eroded away over a period of time. But you can... You can definitely you can see the where the Roman road. The, yeah, it's a kind of gravel track, isn't it, in a totally yeah. straight line, and it's quite nice because it goes up the hill and then it goes along high ground, mm. which apparently the Romans used to do, so they could, all, as all the legions were marching to and fro, mm. they would be seen and they would. It was called a, dis- a display road, apparently. Yes, yeah, to intimidate the locals. Um, yeah, so we went up there and um, saw nothing as usual. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was a lovely walk, and um, all the years we've been going to Thorken Woods, um, like I said, it's been a tradition for my wife's family, and it's something which the tradition is carried on with our own family. We, we take the kids up there to um, have a run around in, in the woods and stuff. We never actually gone all the way to, the, I haven't gone all the way to the top of the hill onto the Roman road, which goes onto a, a heath, and it looks like it goes uh, quite a long way. And um, yeah, it's a lovely, lovely walk, and I'm going to be going up that a- way. Apart, okay. apart from, apart from the horses that were hidden in the trays. Oh, the horses are cool. I don't like. David, yeah. Question for you, Ross. Yes. How many soldiers did a Roman centurion look after? Uh, so I know it's not a hundred, but that's, it's, that's what people, that's what people think it's going to be a hundred. What, how many is it, David? It's, it's, uh, it's 80. It started off as 50 or 60 and then it kind of, um, they, they kind of set on 80. Mm-hmm. But that, why it should be a hundred. Yeah. Shouldn't it? So, do we know why they're called centurions? No, yeah, I did. I didn't get that far. And and also, how do they know it's a centurion rather than just a, a, a regular Roman soldier? I think the yeah, I, that um, the answer should be with the dress. Yeah, 
because a legionnaire would be far more plain. He wouldn't have the cloak, he wouldn't have a plume in the helmet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that's just a, we've seen a centurion. Yeah. You know, it's it's your yeah. hand for that. So I've been listening to um, podcasts about Roman Dorchester and um, watched a couple of uh, YouTube videos about Roman Dorchester today. Um, so Dorchester was called Donovaria at the time um, by the Romans rather than Dorchester itself. Um, so one of the things um, I found interesting because we've got um, so uh, there's the biggest hill fort in in the country is just up the road from us at Maiden Castle, um, and that's where the Iron Age people lived. And when the um, general um, Vespian um, invaded uh, England. Uh, or Britannia, or Britain, whatever it's called. Um, uh, that's where the um, the uh, the Britons were. Um, they reckon that they had some battles with them because they, they have found um, skeletons with um, like ballista um, sort of uh, tips in the in the into the, um, nice. in the skeletons. So ballista is like a like a massive um, crossbow, basically. It, um, which they would have just been fired at these guys as they wow. as they ran out off the hill. Um, but uh, Dorchester was built, um, which is just a little bit away from uh, Maiden Castle, near a river, so they could have uh, access to water. So they um, could go fishing. Exactly. And, and have, a, <laughs> have actual, you know, we'll have to walk miles for water and sanitation and all that kind of stuff. But in Dorchester, there's some uh, ruins of a, a Roman townhouse, um, which is one of the sort of the, the biggest and best um, examples of a, uh, a well to do. Um, Roman or um, a, uh, a British person living in the Roman style um, where they would have lived. Um, but something I found out today is that when they were excavating it, because they were going to be building um, the town hall and the, and, the, and the council buildings there, and they found this Roman um, yeah. townhouse there with some amazing um, uh, uh, mosaics in, and they, they moved the foot, they completely moved where they were going to build the building so they didn't have couldn't disturb that and apparently that's something which they wouldn't normally have done um but they when they was excavating it they found that there was a uh a skeleton of a baby underneath the ground underneath mm. the ground of the kitchen so apparently um you weren't allowed to bury anyone within the uh, walls of the uh, of the the town um i'm not sure if it was a superstitious thing or it was a um to do with sanitation, sanitation. Um, but all of the um, all the graveyards up in Poundbury, which is an, another, uh, it's a little bit outside of Dorchester. Um, there's a, now a big um, development a bit there. Of graveyard, yeah. And Social apparently, graveyard. when they when they were building Poundbury, they, they dug up like hundreds of skeletons from uh-huh. because that's where they, everyone would be buried. Yeah, um, which makes you think, why aren't there ghosts in, in Poundbury? <laughs> and there's just one one Roman stuck yeah. up on a hill in, in Fawncombe. Um, but apparently, um, an infant, a baby, when they were born, they were seen as being, um, pure. Um, and it was actually good luck for you to bury a dead child Ooh. in, in your house. Um, I'm assuming it's like you wouldn't kill the child in order to do it. <laughs> but, we hope um, not. but I was talking to my daughter about this today. She said, oh, that's horrible. And I said, well, maybe it was, um, a, a, a way of dealing with, the sort of the loss mm. of a child and actually, you know, keeping it near, near to you yes, and yes. having it as, um, saying it's actually trying to see a good thing and say like, well, you know, that pure spirit is in the house. 
and you know it's with us and it's making a a a, 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 a good place to be. And then my my youngest child said, "What do you what do you do when you move?" Um, apparently also in, in this Roman townhouse, they got some unique mosaics. Because apparently when you want a mosaic for your um, house or yeah. your building, you, you go to just, the mosaic man. Well, you Mosaics would, you, are us. You would go to a mosaic place and you would pick from a pattern. It, they wouldn't like it. Like, yeah. like a tattoo parlor. Exactly. You pick one. So apparently when you look at lots of buildings, they've all got the same mosaic because they're all just taken off of a, yeah. uh, a set set of designs. But this, this townhouse has got some stuff ones which they haven't seen before so they reckon ah. whoever was in there was rich enough in order to get something mm, commissioned uh, commissioned which is good amazing so i d- i did my homework that you asked me to from the video oh okay. and, i can't remember uh, what that was it was what's the difference between a lake and a pond oh okay because at the top just over just just down from the top of thorncombe uh woods there's a pond mm-hmm. and it was rather lovely wasn't it we mm-hmm. hid from the rain in the pond uh, by the pond mm-hmm. um and it's quite a loose definition of lake or a pond. Mm-hmm. Generally, uh, it's not to do with the, the surface area or the location mm-hmm. or the volume of water. It's more to do with the depth. Okay. So ponds are generally shallow, mm-hmm. and, that, and that means you can have vegetation growing in the pond, like aquatic weed and stuff, and mm-hmm. you know lilies and reeds. That could grow all the way across a pond because a pond never gets more than I know three foot deep, four foot deep. The light will penetrate the ground, mm-hmm. the the um, yeah, the base of the pond, and, and plants will be able to grow. Whereas a lake is generally deeper in parts, mm-hmm. usually the middle, mm-hmm. so um, the light can't penetrate down to the lake bed. So you get areas where it's too deep for any plants to grow. Yeah, there we go. So there we Interesting. are. Interesting. And for such an avid uh, fisherman as yourself. Uh, yeah, That's interesting. I, didn't know that. I thought you said I, it was something to do about jumping over it. Or was that the difference between a stream and a river? I, I think that I've heard that with um, streams and brooks and rivers. There's there's lots of different terminologies for for those, and people have a kind of. I think most people have a general idea that a river is bigger than a stream and mm-hmm. bigger than a brook and um, the likes. But it's yeah, that's. So, as a fly, so do you call yourself a fly fisherman, or is that what's there a term? I call myself a fly angler. A fly angler, yeah. Right, okay, we we don't use fisher, fisher persons, anglers, okay. anglers. Okay, so would you ever angle in a <laughs> lake or a pond, or is it only in yeah. rivers? Um, the the fishing I do is in rivers because the trout or the grayling we're after are wild. Mm. Um, we don't. Uh, rainbow trout are not uh, a native species, but some people do stock rainbow trout into mm. lakes, into reservoirs. Mm-hmm. Um, and you generally in the UK, you can pay to fish those, but any fish you um, catch, you have to keep. So a lot of people do it to stock the larder up for mm-hmm. the kitchen. And you'll, depending on how you, you set out in the morning and you say, I, I want a ticket for two fish or a ticket for three fish or a ticket for four fish. Okay. And you and once you've caught that, your limit, then you stop. It's just a sport shopping then, really. Yeah, some days it's really easy and you catch them really quickly. And other days you might pay for four fish and not catch any. But, so but it's it. I imagine it's, there's a difference about um, angling in moving water to still water. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
Still water is great for beginners. Mm. It's a bit easier. Rivers are more dynamic, mm. more alive, more, um, more challenging. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, you're more of a river person than I'm more of a, a lake person than <laughs> again by these definitions. Yeah. Um, what do you think these, uh, Bristol boys saw up on the, uh, the Roman road? I think they all got together and decided mm-hmm. to play a hoax with yeah. everyone going on the same story. Yeah. Or they just saw some dodgy bloke in the woods. Yes. Because this, this is not the only um, phantom centurion floating around these parts. No. Either, is there? There's, um, where's the one who, who taps on the windows of your of, of car? Oh, uh, yes. I think, but I think that's in a, in uh, one of Bob's dogging car parts. Yeah. Just, a, just a bloke just as a centurion. <laughs> so he's got easy access and leather yeah. sandals. Uh, no, I've definitely read a, a, a few other Roman ghosts. Yeah, there's Roman it. legions out there as well. Yeah. So another thing I was um, listening about, they were saying the impression we have of um, towns like Dorchester and Exeter being yeah. effectively little Rome, uh, Rome mm-hmm. like a small Rome, um, is probably false. Do you remember I was saying to you that um, they... There's certain parts of uh, what you would expect to find in a Roman town yes. they haven't yet found in Dorchester. So, for example, the Forum, they would they would expect to find yeah. a, a Forum, and they've yeah. never found it in Dorchester. Um, and there's some, uh, but but we've also but we've we found some of the best examples of a, a Roman mm. townhouse with a mosaic. Yeah, and um, I was listening to a guy today saying that um, that his theory isn't from the archaeology he sees is that in uh, Britain, particularly uh, the further you, away you got from uh, places like, I think Colchester was the, the Roman yeah. capital, um, was that you'd have small, kind, almost like gated communities of, of like the Roman people. Yeah. Or, um, but then the rest of it, they would just let the, 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 um, the Britons just carry on how they, yes. how they want to do that. Because it was... <coughs> It was so remote and so hostile, um, it wasn't worth them trying to push mm. too much Romanness onto people. And, pe- and people wouldn't just start living like Romans unless there was a, a, an incentive to them. And they were comparing it to um, uh, Gaul, which is, um, yeah. as we know from Asterix, uh, modern-day France. <laughs> they were saying when um, Caesar uh, conquered Gaul, he pretty much... Um, killed or enslaved two-thirds of the entire population. So they were completely overwhelmed, completely, um, you know, devastated. And it was a case of, like, we are so uh, over, you know, it was just, Rome just basically came on and came over and took over. So they effectively became a, a province of Rome and everyone was like Roman. Whereas when they came to um, Britain, it was further away. Had to get across the sea, mm. and also we fought back. Like, yeah, it, it took them several attempts, didn't yeah. it? It was like three or four attempts, and it was. And I case- think you're right because Colchester was a was probably the nearest to Mini Row, mm-hmm. the biggest, the biggest kind of settlement they had. But then London, um, L- London, because it was up the Thames and where the boats landed, it was it was mostly a a kind of garrison mm-hmm. where they would they would store all the goods that came in from Rome before they were they were um, 
shared across the network. Um, there would be uh, lots of retired soldiers just looking after it. And it was a kind of administrative center, really, where things yep. just came in and almost like, you know, warehouse where yep. they could log things in and log things out. So maybe as you went further southwest down um, to Dorchester and Exeter, it was very similar to that. And yep. they were just kind of staging posts and yeah, and, and it, it, was just, it was just a case of like, we'll leave the locals alone as long as we get, as long as it's making money and we get, um, we get taxes off them. Yeah. That's it. Um, apparently Hengersbury Hang- Head was the, um, the main port around here. I think we yeah. come into Hengersbury yeah. Head. I think about from there. And that, when you think about all the Roman activity around and how close it all was, you've got Maiden Castle, you've got Hengersbury Head, the pool was a, a big natural harbour. Wareham was a, um, they found lots of Roman, um, artifacts in, in some excavations and some, um, clay pits and things they were digging. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is there a ghost of a Roman road on the top of a hill? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. So many, like said, there's but no, they there's up. no danger of death up there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and like, we've got the graveyard of thousands of Romans just up the yeah. road. No one sees anything up there. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's it's interesting, um, but but same time, it's you know fourteen year old boys out in the out in the <laughs> woods, maybe a little bit frightened, maybe not never been out in the woods on their own before. I can see it could be a bit yeah. spooky. You know, I, maybe one of the adults just dressed up as a lark mm-hmm. went out there, kind of hung himself from a tree somehow, yeah. went ooh, and then yeah disappeared when the game was up. Yeah, well, let's go. On. I was going to say, when I used to go camping in Delft Woods, um, which is near a pool, um, when I was a cub, we were always told that there was, um, they call it Dead Man's Lake, but I'm pretty sure it was yeah. a pond, um, <laughs> where they said a German bomber had uh, crashed and that, that if anyone went into the water, they, they would be pulled underneath the water by um, the, the dead German uh, bomber pilots. Essentially, it was to tell us, it was to keep us out. It was keep you away, keep us away from the water, but also this is a, a good, scary story to tell the kids mm. when we're out camping. So, yeah, who knows? These guys might have been trying to shit up the kids about Roman, <laughs> Roman soldiers. Um, yeah. Before, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, before we start, we should talk about the uh, Sasquatch noises we heard in oh, the yes. which was absolutely phenomenal. So, for a long time. I've watched uh, Bigfoot Hunters mm-hmm. uh, and love it to bits. I've got a Bigfoot Hunter sticker on my van. Uh, and one of the things that Bigfoot Hunters always do, of course, is they call out to Bigfoot in the forest mm-hmm. uh, and wait for a reply. Um, we had just been, I believe, it was, it was probably the week after, or maybe the next, yeah, the week after. So the week before, we'd gone to a fancy dress party, hadn't we? Yes. Uh, the four of us were you and I with our other halves and we dressed as Scooby-Doo, mm. uh, Scooby-Doo gang as zombies. And you were taking the mick out of me because I couldn't do a Scooby-Doo noise mm-hmm. all night after, after several beers. So I stood in the middle of Thorncombe Woods and tried to make a Sasquatch noise slash Scooby-Doo howl. Are we going um, to do it first? Um, no, I'm not going to. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> and, uh, and we waited in the, in the rain. And then for the first time ever, we heard a similar call coming back to us yeah. from the other side of the woods. And it, the, the pause in between, I think, was far too long for it to be an echo. Yeah. Um, on the video, it's 
like the, the sound stopped working on the video, but you can see the shocked look on our face and then the, the laughing as we realised that uh, we're filming just over the road from Yellowham Woods. Yeah. Back in the day, it would have all been one word where the, this woodworks was that were meant to be living. Mm-hmm. We've called it out and something's called back. So Several times. You did time. it. You did it after me, didn't you? Yeah. With, a, with a, a proper belly scream, howl, and again, something howled back. Yeah. Amazing. So, um, which is interesting because um, also, is w- if you look on YouTube, as well as our video for um, people searching for the uh, Woodwows of Yellowham for, uh, Woods, there's uh, another couple of investigators put their own video up. Um, and when we was watching it, we said, this isn't Yellowham Woods. It, it, it didn't match this. It's not at all Yellowham. No, but when we looked at it, it was at, we realised it was actually Falkenwoods it was in. So we don't know yeah. if they mistakenly the same car park, walked up the track. Looked very much like the track we walked up. There were horses in the mm-hmm. in the trees. That's just filmed at night, and I can imagine it is spooky at night. But nothing called back to them. No, but did they hear no. anything? They heard some things in the trees, um, but it's difficult to. It's difficult to hear on their video and difficult to see because it was dark, of course. Mm. Obviously, it's difficult to hear on ours because the sound failed. But yeah. to this day, it is the best Bigfoot hunting moment I've ever had. Yeah. It was just phenomenal. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, um, listeners, uh, but we can't share what we heard. Um, <laughs> uh, but on that video, you, we do hear some horns um, blaring, which um, the first time we heard it, I said, that sounds like a Roman horn. <laughs> Second time, I realized it was a train. Um, <laughs> but, but, but the uh, yeah the howling shouting following um, was either like we said um, some other uh, Bigfoot hunters just over the hill um, thinking we were Bigfoots and we were we shouting yeah. back and forth to each other it could or, have been that other podcast so that was our investigation into the phantom Central of Falcon Woods mainly us talking about Roman Romans around Dorchester um, but you know, someday we will. We something a bit more supernatural may happen, and uh, we can talk more about that. We'll be there to film it badly, yeah. And we'll have the sound turned on this time, <laughs> yeah. And okay. it won't be natural. Oh, so we've got a couple of things I would like to um uh, plug while while I'm on here. We've got some dark dulc- dark Darset stickers and badges and t-shirts. If you go to darkdarset.com, there's links where you can find all of these things. If you're interested in any of that and would like to help support the um the podcast go and have a look at those so that's darkdarset.com also i've written a spooky story which i would like some people, Whoa, yeah. like people to read um did i send it to you david no no okay so um i will i'll put a link to that on our uh dark darset link tree as well so just go to darkdarset.com follow a link to ross's spooky story have a go and read that and um let me know what you think and uh yeah and um I hope you have a good Christmas and we will be back uh, soon with some other stuff. We will. Let's do one soon. Okay. Cool. Thanks, everyone. Speak to you soon. Cheerio. Bye. If you know of any weirdness you'd like to share with Dave and Ross, you can tell them by email at darkdarset at gmail.com or talk to them on Twitter at darkdarset. Well... Until next time, stay discombobulated. Stay discombobulated. Stay discombobulated.